you're a, a visitor, whether it's uh, your first time uh, in, in our congregation or whether you're a, a coming to visit family and you've been here coming here your whole life, we're glad that you're here. Um, I want to extend a personal welcome to you and tell you that, that we're happy that you chose to be with us. You have a lot of choices, a lot of things you can do, and, and we're blessed that you chose to spend it with us. It's already been a great morning. We've already had a good time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I told a lot of our people, uh, our actors, if you will, when we were starting out, um, I, I only want two things. I, I want these kids to come away knowing Jesus ra- rose from the grave and, and that we can have fun at church. If we can come away with those two things, we'll be successful. And so far, I think we've been pretty successful. We had, we had a ton of people who were working uh, this morning, making that happen. If you didn't show up and, and be a part of that, it's okay, but you missed out because it was a lot of fun. We had uh, a number of folks in costume, and uh, we had... Uh, Tony and, and, and her share group made uh, uh, breakfast, and, and then we had uh, Emily and Delanice and, and Leanne who, who were all helping to put that together, and, and then a bunch of the other families, and I know once you start naming names, you're, you're in trouble, but um, Melissa Miller made the, uh, the, the homemade unleavened bread that we took for communion this morning. Um, and then Chris and his team and, and their number that they brought to us, they've been working really hard on that. And so, um, you know, and then, and then Todd delivered a great sermon. And um, we're, I, I have to mess with Todd. It's my job. Um, it's okay. We're, we're, that's right. We won't keep you much past 12. It'll be all right. Um, if, you, if you came in this morning, I hope you got one of these cards um, we were handing these out at the door. Um, this is the new series that we're starting next week. This week we're finishing up Rediscovering Jesus. Next week we're going to start a series called Mixtape, God's Playlist for Relationships. And, and we're going to look at some of God's ideas of what our relationships should be about. To build stronger marriages, to build stronger relationships, because we all want to be that. We all want to be stronger in our relationships, whether it's being a better husband, a better wife, whether it's being a better father, a better mother, whether it's being a better boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or just a friend in general. We can all benefit from that. And so on the back, you see the uh, specific tracks, um, you know, uh, and, and we're going to talk about love, and we're going to talk about marriage, and, and we're going to talk about being a warrior. That's Mother's Day, because mothers, right? Come on, it's okay, you can admit it. Um, We're going to talk about sex, so hey, I've named names, and I'm talking about sex, so if I can work politics in here, I'll have hit all the no-nos. That's going to start next week. In conjunction with that, in May, we're going to host a a live stream event, which will be here, where where, uh, live in Dallas, they're having a conference, a marriage conference, and and there's going to be... Francis and Lisa Chan and, and Les and Leslie Parrott, who are psychologists and, and marriage gurus, and then a comedian. And, and it's going to be live streamed to churches all over the world. And we're one of the designated churches in this area. We're going to broadcast it up here on the, on the big screens. You can go to marriagenight.org. You can check that out and, uh, and get registered for that. That's going to be in conjunction with our marriage series. And then at the end of the month for our S&T, we're going to uh, do a, a special thing where we're going to honor all of the marriages in this congregation that have that have been uh, a long time. Our 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 forty fifty year fifty year plus is that what we're doing, Tony? I, I I've lost her, and it's okay. Oh, 
five? Five years plus? Fifty. Okay, I'm like, five? Fifty. Fifty years plus. So that's all coordinate. That's all coming up in May. So all that was set up just to get us to the, to the point of, of we're going we're gonna to delve into rediscovering Jesus and, and the end of that. Let's, let's have a word of prayer before we walk into that. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for what it, what it represents to believers, that every Lord's day represents to us a chance to proclaim the risen Savior. Lord, help us to do that, not just on Easter, not just on Sundays, but every single day. Let us proclaim to a lost and dying world that he is alive. In Jesus' name, amen. There have been three major funerals in my life that, that have directly impacted me. And, and in all three of those, I remember this feeling that, that came over me, this feeling of, of numbness, like mentally and physically just spaced out, just numb. My grandmother passed away when I was in college, and I had come home for, for Thanksgiving. She was in the hospital. She, was, uh, she had cancer, and, and, and the radiation had taken a lot out of her. She couldn't talk. And um, I sat with her, and the doctors had told us there's no reason for her to still be alive other than her stubborn will, and that's where I get it. And, but I sat with her and told her, it's okay, Nanny, it's okay to die. And I went back to school, and the next week, she was dead. We came back, and, and we had that funeral, and I just remember feeling numb. I mean, I spoke as part of that funeral, and I don't have any idea. I couldn't tell you what I said. I just remember being numb. And then, you know, of course, anytime you have a marriage that's lasted 60 years, like my grandparents, when one goes, the other one's not far behind, because my grandfather didn't last long without her, because pretty much she's what took care of him and, and kept him going. And so he passed away, and I remember that same feeling, that feeling of being numb. Even, even when we snuck in, I shouldn't tell this, even when my brother and I snuck in and, and snuck a package of red man chewing tobacco in his jacket pocket, because we couldn't send him off without that. He always had that with him. Um, but, but there was still that numbness. That, that everything was just in a haze. And then, of course, when my father passed away and we had his funeral, I remember just, just being numb, just feeling numb, disconnected, numb. And, and I think in the resurrection of Jesus, I think the apostles were feeling that same thing. All the disciples and the apostles, you know, if you've been in class with me, you've heard me say, we, we don't need to do fast forwards because we always, we're always in such a hurry to get to the end of the story that we don't live in the moment. And, and I think we miss that these people didn't know what was going to happen. And so on Friday, when, when, when Jesus was crucified, everything that they had known, everything that they had hoped for, everything that they had put their trust in, that they had given up family and business and, and, and reputation and, and livelihood and life to follow was gone. In an instant, everything that they had based their life on was gone. Their master, their Lord, the one that they believed would be the redeeming, conquering king who would finally drive out the Roman occupation and restore Israel to the glory it had under David and Solomon was dead. And it was over. There was nowhere to go. There was nothing to do. Because when you die, the game's over. 
and they were numb. The Bible tells us that, that they were hiding in a locked room because they were still worried about the Jews. They were still worried that somebody was going to come take them and maybe do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus. They were numb. They spent that Saturday, that Sabbath, like that, numb. Hopeless, dark, depressed. Think about spending a Sabbath after your Lord, your hope, your future has been killed in such a horrible manner. And it's a Sabbath, so you're a Jew. You can't leave the house. You can't work. You can't do anything that will take your mind off of this. You're just sitting there thinking it's all over. It's all for nothing. I think when, Monday, when Sunday rolls around, Mary gets up and goes because she's just got to do something. We, we know that Joseph had already put uh, spices and stuff on Jesus' body before they put him in the tomb. But, but Mary decides that she's going to go because she's numb. She's going to go and, and put more spices. She's going to go and, and, and do something. She needs to grieve. She needs to express that grief. And she wants to be close to Jesus, even in death. She wants to, to express her love through her actions. And so she's going to embalm him. She's going to put more spices and, and more things on the body to, to do something to show her love. She doesn't come to the tomb that morning expecting to find anything except a dead body. There's no expectation here. Now, there are those who will claim that the resurrection is all a well-orchestrated hoax. That it's something the apostles, the disciples made up. That, that, that the, the problem with that story, though, is it doesn't make sense. Number one, ha have you read the accounts of these guys? They're not that smart. They're, they're, they're not that, that creative. And they're sure not that brave. Because you don't die for a hoax. You, you don't endure torture for a hoax. And so that, that argument falls apart. Second, if you were going to conduct a hoax, if you were going to make this up in the first century, you would not make your first witness female. Women had no anything in that society. You, you, women were for having children, and that's it. They couldn't hold down a job. They couldn't, uh, 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 they couldn't own property. Their testimony was not even allowed in court. And, and so if you were going to create a story, if you were going to make up a story, you wouldn't make your first witness a female, a woman. Especially this woman. Mary, Mary Magdalene. Luke 8 tells us a little bit about Mary. Luke 8, verse 1 and 2, Soon afterward he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. Seven demons. Seven demons. Now what do we know about demoniacs in the Bible? These are the people who cut themselves. These are the people who scream out and, and who live in tombs and who are filthy and, and, and who are uncontrollable. They're, they're at 
best mentally ill. Again, you wouldn't choose a woman and you sure wouldn't choose this woman. Because at best, she's a mental patient. At minimum. But here she stands, the first apostle to the apostles. Crying. Weeping. Broken hearted. She's mourning because she's still numb. Her heart's still stuck in Friday. Jesus is dead and there's no hope. But that mourning, that weeping turns to joy in a split second. The mourning turns to joy in a split second when the risen Savior calls your name. Look at John chapter 20, verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Everything changes when the risen Savior calls your name. Everything is different. In that instance, her tears are gone. In that instance, her mourning, her grief has been turned into joy because He is alive. On the other end of the spectrum, when the going gets tough, the tough go fishing. If that's not a thing, it should be. We should make that a thing. We should make t-shirts or something. When the going gets tough, the tough go fishing. That's what Peter does, right? Peter is done with it too, but he doesn't go, he's not going to do things like Mary does. He's overwhelmed by this. He's heard the reports, he's been to the tomb, he's seen this stuff, but he's still not convinced he's going fishing. Because that's what happens to a lot of us. When, when, When we get overwhelmed, when we get in a place where we don't know how to move forward, we move backwards, right? We go back to what's comfortable, we go back to what's easy, we go back to what we've always known. And so Peter went back to where he was most comfortable. He went back to fishing. That's where we find Peter and the apostles in John 21. But it's not all about fishing. It's about guilt. It's about shame. Remember, no fast forwards. Peter is wrestling with his own denial. Peter is wrestling with the fact that when Jesus was beaten and tortured and standing trial, he was in the courtyard saying, I don't know him. He's picturing in his head that moment. That moment Scripture tells us about when he denied and Jesus looked directly at him. That ripped his heart out. And he's carrying that guilt, that shame, Luke chapter 22, verse 60. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Because when we live in Friday, when we live in that numbness, that, that fear, that guilt, that shame is more than we can handle. 
the, the shame and the guilt that, that bind us down because we know that we failed Him. We know that we've come up short. We know that we haven't done what we need to do and we know that He sees us. And that's hard to bear. And so we go back into what we know. We go back into what we're comfortable with. When the going gets tough, the tough go fishing. The call comes from the bank. Have you caught any fish? Throw it on the other side. And they do. And the net comes back so full they can't pull it in. And Peter looks at John and says, It's the Lord. And he jumps in the water. And he swims to the shore. And he gets there. And that guilt, that shame is still weighing on him. He sits there on that beach in that awkward silence, not knowing what to say, wanting to pour his heart out and say, I'm sorry. I failed you. I messed up. I'm sorry. But he just sits there holding it all in. And Jesus looks him in the eye and he calls his name, Simon, do you love me? The next time we're going to see Peter, we're going to see him standing and preaching to everyone who will listen on the Pentecost. Multitudes of people. And Peter standing up proclaiming, This Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. We see him standing in the temple courts. We see him standing before the Sanhedrin saying, Hey, you do what you got to do. If you want to put me in jail, put me in jail. If you want to throw me in prison, throw me in prison. If you want to kill me, get after it. But I can't stop talking about what I've seen. Where did that guy come from? That's a totally different Peter than we saw at the end of the Gospels. Because the point this morning is the resurrection changes everything. It turns Mary's mourning into joy. It turns Peter's shame and guilt into bravery and fearlessness. Everything changes when the risen Savior calls your name. The resurrection changes everything. Without the resurrection, the whole thing's pointless. There is no Good Friday without Easter. There is no salvation in the cross without the power of the empty tomb. Paul says that apart from the resurrection, the whole thing's worthless. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But so many, not just in the world, so many Christians are still living in Friday. We're still living in a place where our Lord has been beaten and crucified. And we leave Him on the cross. We leave Him in the tomb. Instead of proclaiming to a lost and dying world that our Lord is alive, we're stuck in Friday. Too many of us are living in Friday. We come to church every week and, and we sit through communion and, and we mourn and we grieve and, 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 and we beat ourselves up about our guilt and our shame and how we failed and maybe I'm unworthy to take this. And, and we morosely focus on, on these things and the truth is we've got to stop living in Friday because Jesus is alive. The angels say the same thing to us that they say to these disciples. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? 
You're looking in the wrong place. He's not here. He's alive. Stop living in Friday. There are many of us who who believe that Jesus nailed the old law to the cross. But we've exchanged that old law for something we call the law of Christ. Paul tells the Galatians that doing that is called falling from grace. When you've exchanged one law for another, you have fallen from grace. In other words, stop living in Friday. Jesus is alive and everything changes when the risen Savior calls your name. Breslin? Olivia? Come here. Chloe? Where you at? Why don't you round up all the current cousins? Come up here. Bring your rocks. Bring your rocks. We're going to show these people what you came up with this morning. Come on, they want to get to the restaurant. They're going to get mad at you. You got to hurry. Come on. All the way up here. They can't see you down there. You're too short. This morning, as, as part of our thing, the kids were all given a rock. Show them your rock. The kids were all given a, a, a rock. And, and, and that was partly because of the, uh, yeah, come on. It's okay. I just picked the first people I see. I'm not being exclusionary. Which, by the way, I'm going to take a minute. If you're a parent, we're hunting Easter eggs for everybody today. I know what it says on the screen. I know what it said on the family news. But, but we're in the business of gathering and, and not separating. So we're, we're going to take everybody. And I don't care who you are. You can come hunt Easter eggs, okay? We, we, we love everybody. We want everybody to be included. So forget what it says. Just, just come be a part of that, okay? I don't care if you're 80 years old. You can come hunt an egg too. We're not helping you up. <laughs> just saying. We got these rocks, and, and, and these white rocks symbolize that the stone has been rolled away, that Jesus is alive. What, what is on your rock? What does it say? Revelation 2.17. Revelation 2, verse 17. Do you know what that says? You know what it says? Come here. Read it right there. what the spirit says to, to the churches to the one who conquers i will give some of the hidden manna now i'll give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it revelation 217 awesome all right thank you guys y'all go have a seat give my hand that hurt my knee just watching that did you hear that To the one who conquers, I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name on it that only you know. Nobody else knows this name. Only you know it. To the one who conquers. To the one who overcomes, some versions say. And and I read that and I go, okay, I want to be that guy. I want to overcome. How do I conquer? How do I overcome? Paul says in Romans 8 that that in all things we are made more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Verse 37. 
It says that in verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And he goes on to say that nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. Nothing. That means that all those names that we call ourselves, think about those names. You know what I'm talking about. Fat, stupid, idiot, spaz, dummy, skinny. Come on. Don't start shouting them out. Some of those are not appropriate for church. But you know the names that we call ourselves. God says, Everything changes when the risen Savior calls your name. And God says the risen Savior is going to call your name in a name that only you know. God has given you a name that nobody else knows. God sees you as a special individual apart from everything else, and everything changes. Everything in your life, your mourning, your grief, your tears... Your, your shame, your guilt, it all goes away in an instant when the risen Savior calls your name. John says that He's going to call you. He's going to call you by a name that only you will recognize. It's going to resonate so deep within your soul that you're going to know this is always who I was meant to be. This is how God sees me. Everything changes when the risen Savior calls your name. This is back to a prophecy that Isaiah was even talking about in Isaiah 43 when Isaiah says, Don't be afraid for I have ransomed you and I have called you by my name. This morning, you're not here by accident. I know some of you came to church because that's what you do every week. You're not here by accident. Some of you are here visiting family. Some of you are here for a lot of different reasons. It doesn't matter. God brought you here this morning to hear the risen Savior call your name. Everything changes when the risen Lord calls your name. When Jesus calls Mary's name in that garden, her whole world changes. When Jesus calls Simon's name on that beach, his whole world changes. This morning, Jesus says, you're going to overcome through my resurrection. And I'm going to call you by a name that only you know. And we're going to change the world. Everything changes when the risen Savior calls your name. You're here this morning to hear that call. Now it's time to respond to it. Let us pray with you. Let us help you submit to Him in baptism. Whatever it is that we can do to help you. Respond to that call. Hear Him call your name and come to Him right now while together we stand and sing.